Thank you, Margaret. Wow. Well, it's my pleasure to uh, introduce a new series for you. Uh, we're starting a new series called Big Words. And uh, who's li- who likes big words? Who likes unusual words or new words? There are some people that just love those kind of words, those flow of words. And, and uh, I'll be honest, when I, I grew up, my, my brother used to read all the books. That's Jono's dad. Um, Jono's dad would read all the books in the house. And, and I didn't read so well uh, as a kid growing up. Um, and so um, I struggled um, more with uh, dyslexia. And so I, I struggled to read. And so I would watch him. And all I wanted to do was read the stories because uh, my mum at bedtime would read stories uh, to us before we went to bed. We would go into the sitting room. We would sit by the fire uh, and she would read a story to the family. And it would be one of the great delights of my life. And I always wanted to read the book, but I, I struggled to read when I was a child and uh, struggled to sort of get ahead. Uh, but my, uh, my brother, Mike, read everything. He read all of the books in the house, and, uh, which is the same as my, my, my mother. She would read um, endlessly, uh, just books. Um, uh, there would be, I'd sometimes come home from school and she'd be sitting in the bedroom having tidied up the mess that us six kids had created, uh, but she had opened a book, it'd be a child's book, but she would be sitting there reading it, distracted, just halfway through, just picking up reading, and what are you, oh, I'm just reading, and uh, she, she had this wonderful just ability, and, uh, and she loved words, and, and I, I sort of grew to overcome those inabilities, because I knew that words have such power. Uh, and I, I wanted to understand the meaning of words. And, and in this series, we want to look at the truth behind the words that we use, often every day, but don't really describe what they are or what they mean. And so we just use them with an assumption that everybody knows what we're talking about. Uh, and we, we also, there are also other words in the Bible which we don't really use anymore, but they're in the Bible. And we sort of skim over those words. We've, we've even stopped using them in our vocabulary. Um, words like propitiation. I love that word, propitiation. Turn to someone and say, did you just propitiate? And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great word, isn't it? And we're actually going to do propitiation. It's not actually, it's only uh, in the King James and the New King James. All the other Bibles are not quite godly enough. And, and uh, they've translated it into another. But we're going to do all of these words. And what we want to do is, is bring the depth of what these words mean. And so that we fully understand in the gospel, in the life, in the sanctification, in, the, in being born again, what it fully means to be saved by Jesus Christ. And, and the fullness of our faith, what does it mean to live our life for God? What has He done for us? What is working on our behalf? And the only way to understand these things is to look at the words that have been written down, that have been used to describe the very attributes and the nature of God and His love for us. And so we're going to be doing this series and we're going to be looking at these big words that 
we tend not to think about. And this morning, I'm going to, the first word is the gospel. And gospel is a word that we use a lot, but we kind of, we don't really say what it is. We just, we say, and so what happens is the more you say, I'm going to preach the gospel. Well, that's nice. Everybody, and everybody goes, and all the church goes, mm, wow, preach the gospel. That's what we've got to do. How, how do we get people to say, preach the gospel? But the world doesn't know what the gospel is. And I think half the church, we kind of skimmed over. Or what happens is that you, you narrow its meaning down to what you think it means. The gospel, that must be, the gospel must be Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins. That's the gospel. But actually, that's only a tiny part of the gospel. When Jesus would um, introduce the principle of communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. But he hadn't even died on the cross. We think of communion as remembering Christ on the cross. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, and he hadn't died yet. So what they would, he was telling them to remember wasn't just, obviously he wants them to remember the cross, but remember everything else. And you know, um, the gospel is simply glad tidings. It's the principle of a story that's being told. You see, news stories are, are very powerful. Um, they say that everyone remembers where they were when Elvis Presley died. Probably half the room wasn't born. But yeah, I actually, I was 11 years of age and I don't remember where I was because I hadn't heard of Elvis Presley until he died. And uh, <laughs> you can say the shock, the horror. Elvis, what you haven't heard... Listen, I was 11 and I grew up in a traditional Christian home where we were pure and we didn't have things like rock and roll (laughs) or TVs. (laughs) We never had a television. We had a record player and the only record that we had was Jim Reeves. (laughs) And and it played endlessly. (laughs) And uh, I remember my brother bringing home a transistor radio, and uh, <laughs> I remember rather, and playing music, and I remember the rhythm going through the house, and just this, this sort of, oh, it's got a beat, and I remember feeling like, <laughs> I, I, I just remember feeling like I'd never heard rhythm before, it's like, <laughs> we were kept quite pure, uh, and uh, so... But news is one of those amazing things. When Elvis Presley died, people say they remember where they were when Elvis Presley died because it was such powerful news. Well, I don't remember, but I do remember where I was. Uh, I remember where I was standing in the house when Cheryl was walking down the stairs saying she'd heard that Princess Diana had died. I remember you when when she died. You remember where you were on that Sunday morning when you found out that she had been killed. And so that has, it had an impact. I remember where I was sitting when we discovered that the Twin Towers had come down. That impact, I was actually having a meeting with Bob and Phyllis um, Buchanan. We were discussing, uh, we were right at the, the beginning, where I was having a meeting with them and a consult, business consultant, and we were talking through the financial planning of launching Cross Culture. Um, and we were sitting in their house, and they didn't have a television uh, and they had a ropey old radio, and a text had come through saying the Twin Towers had come down, and we're trying to get the radio on, and we're trying to hear, have this meeting. Because when you hear news like this, it changes your life. News, the story of events around the world changes your life. And the, the fact is that the most popular TV programs you'll have 
anywhere around the world is actually the news. That's the, the most, every channel has several news programs dedicated to it every day. They have news across vast areas. It's a huge industry because everyone who wants to know the stories that's going to change their life. But the gospel, it says here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I'm reading from the New King James, and it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and as is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, we have this incredible gospel story, this incredible story, these glad tidings, this amazing impact. And it says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God to salvation. A lot of people are wondering, well, where is the power? We're trying to make church impacting, relevant. We want a relevant house. We, we decorate this place so that it is more relevant to the lifestyle that people live in um, so that they can more easily attune their themselves to the environment so that they can receive the gospel. That's relevance. But there's, it hasn't got spiritual power. It just has natural influence. And there's a huge difference between influence and power. I was watching on the news that they had this um, woman who's completely bonkers. She lives, and um, she, there are some bonkers people out there, aren't there? And this woman lives as if it's 1939. She's, she's converted her bathroom into a bedroom because you wouldn't have an, and she's built an outside loo. And everything in the house is, is 1939. And it's kind of, that kind of real kind of basic living 1939 as well. It's a, and uh, she, that's how she lives. It's people, and, and she lives in that way. Well, and, and then she said, I, I haven't successfully managed to get a boyfriend yet. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. You are bonkers. And they'll walk in the house, and, they'll go, and she said they walk in, and then they go, oh, and then she never sees them again. Well, yeah, there's a reason, because it's like it's not very... And so we try and make church as comfortable, and we try and get rid of the 1939 of church, and we make it 2016. But the power of the gospel is not in the seats or in the carpet, or in the, the power of people being set free is in the story of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the amazing thing about that we call, we don't call the news tidings, which is, the word tiding literally means event. Um, but the word gospel means glad tidings. It means a event and specifically it means a recent event or an event which has recent or implications for your life or event, implications for your life that is relevant now. So the story, the Bible is preaching of the gospel. The gospel is a story which has been declared and written of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that when we bring a story, that story is going to change your life because it is the story 
of Jesus Christ. It says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, as Jesus lived His life, He created a narrative. So, the power of the Gospel is not found in the brilliance of a thesis or in the declaration of a wonderfully composed truth scientifically written out. The power of the gospel is found in the narrative of the life of a saviour that was born of a virgin and every day he lived his life, he created a narrative. He created a story. The story was being written, was being declared, was being witnessed of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. We people don't often remember what you say. They will remember all that you lived. So you can say, we speak a lot of words. I preach a lot of messages. I reckon if I tested you on them, You would get the feeling that you go, no, no, you preached some great messages. What were they? I don't know, but they were great. You might go home and go, not. But, you know. (laughs) But the life I've lived, you remember. You see, the life that Jesus Christ lived became the narrative of the gospel. Jesus spoke words, but the words were flowing out of the life he was living. He was the physical manifestation of the love and the grace of God making an impact on the people around him, touching and changing people's lives. So when we hear the story, the power of the gospel is in the story of Jesus Christ. It is in the full extent of what Jesus Christ has done from the day he was born to the day he rose again and filled the church with his Holy Spirit. In fact, to some degree, the gospel is still being developed because Jesus Christ is still living, he's still loving, he's still working, and he's still declaring his truth upon the earth. When people hear the story of Jesus Christ, their lives are changed. It is the gospel. It says in Mark chapter 1, it says the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel, you see, it's your life. Your life has the power. Now, words define life. But if there isn't a life, then your words have no power. We 
try and find words to give ourselves power. One of the... Um, I um, uh, Probably most of us get a little sort of cynical of the political showmanship that you see on television, don't you? We're just kind of... And that... Um, the, the, the story you get with politicians that just lost an election. And they say this. We're going back to listen. We're going to listen to the people. I just think that's the most... That's just rubbish. <laughs> Is you going to listen? What you, so you weren't listening before. And before that, you had obviously no idea. And now you're going to listen. So you're going to, the people are going to lead you. It's interesting, isn't it? So in other words, the thing is, I do feel sorry for them because I can't imagine anything worse than having to run a country, right? And you're destined almost, you are destined to fail, aren't you? So it's it's a very, very difficult and challenging environment. But the difficulty they have is they're trying to find words for a life they haven't lived. And that's always disempowering them. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ lived the life. And so the words that he has have power because he lived the life. The life was lived, the story was told, the words were spoken, and so the power of that life literally challenges and transforms us. When we say we are going to speak the gospel, we use it as a summary of describing, oh, just the gospel. But the gospel is the life and the hope. It is the narrative of Jesus Christ from 2,000 years ago to today. It is a story that is continually being written. Actually, the gospel has a, a prequel, which is the Old Testament leading up to the, the story of Jesus Christ. And, and so you have this prequel, the Old Testament, which is constantly feeding, tunneling in, funneling in into Jesus Christ, bringing everything down towards who He is. A story was being written. People's lives were being lived in faith. They were giving all that they could. It says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, Now, Paul is speaking to the church. It says here, But I I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. What Paul is saying to the Galatian church and what was happening in Galatia was this, that they had heard the story of Jesus Christ and were liberated, set free. Their chains were broken. They, 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 they found hope and restoration. They found their destiny. They found who they were. Then religious leaders came along and started creating a legal framework around which church began to form and they began to change the gospel. One of the things that we humans do is that we try and create a form, a tradition. If I can just make this happen every week the same, that's a lot easier. It's called efficiency. If I can just make church, if I can just do the church the same, if I can have the same structure, everything the same, 
then it's a bit, and, and it's comforting too, isn't it? If you know what's going to happen, it's a little bit comforting. Even people who are often live no life of faith, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to moments of great trauma, like like someone passing away, they, they like the form that tradition gives them. It brings comfort. We like that stuff. But Paul is writing to the church, and he's going, who? Who told you you could rewrite the story of Jesus Christ? How, how, you can't make up your own stuff. I remember speaking to a neighbor about the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ. And she said to me, well, I believe. And she gave me this list of things that she believed. And I said to her, but how do you believe that? Well, I just think this and I think that. I said, but where did that story come from? Well, I just thought it. So, whoa, 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 whoa. You thought it, therefore it's true. You can't just invent stuff in your head. If you were speaking to your child and they would, oh, I believe there are Martians living in the roof, therefore it's true, you would say, no, there are not. You can't just make stuff up. But it is amazing how we pervert the gospel simply by making stuff up in our head which is not true. If you want to know the truth and the power of your life, you come back to the story of Jesus Christ and the full extent of what he's done and there is the power to change your world. There is the power to break down the walls of your your difficulties and your challenges. There is the power to liberate you. As Aaron was speaking about the, the offering, when you come back and Jesus is going, look, it's not about the brain. <laughs> You've got to understand. And so here, here they are. They weren't getting it. What were they doing? They were still making it up in their own head. They weren't watching Jesus Christ and going, I follow him. You see, the power of the gospel to set you free is simply coming back. It's not making stuff up. It's not rewriting it in your head. It's asking every question. If you have a thought and a belief system, but that belief system doesn't stand up. That's why you need someone to ask you questions. That's why you need to ask questions. That's why you need to be able to come before the house of God. That's why we are a church together. Because sometimes we get revelation and sometimes we just make stuff up. When we're offended, we make stuff up. When we're hurt, we really make stuff up. We invent stuff in our head. We have conversations with people that never happened. We're we're having conversations about what we're going to say to them. And then, then they say something back to us that's really nasty. And so we reply. And then we meet them for real on Sunday. And then we just walk straight past them. And they're like... Because they weren't in the conversation. We made it up. But it's amazing how we can make up the gospel and change it, create it, limit it. Because here's the truth. The story of Christ is so huge. The Bible says you can't actually... The world can't tame the books of what he did. It's a... 
it's a a poetic description of the fullness of what Christ achieved. It's a declaration that he did so much. It's difficult for words. But here's, here's the thing. The gospel is not just the written words. It's the full life of Jesus Christ. And it's the life that he lives today because he lives. So there is a gospel which is what he has achieved and the fruit of what he has achieved is still being outworked. So the gospel is still alive. It is not a historical event. It's not a one-off story. It's not an old story. It is a current event which is still changing your life. It is still working in your heart. I want you to see this. I'm going to finish on this. It says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they then call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Cheryl, I want you to know something. I do have beautiful feet. There's a debate in the house at the moment. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, God, who, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me go on to verse 20. I love this verse. This is where I want to come to. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. You see, the full story of all that he has done changes everything around us. The world changed when it heard of the 9-11 story. For us, it was a story. For other people, it was, it was their event. But that event impacted everybody. That world changed. The world shifted on its access when Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And that event is still happening. The power of it, the impact of it, the relevance of it, the truth of it is still happening. But here's the amazing thing about the gospel. The gospel is a new story that is a glad tiding. It is a good story which is changing people's lives. In other words, in verse 20 it says this, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. I want you to know the power of the gospel is saving people who are not asking to be saved. It is setting people free who didn't know they weren't free. It is, it is coming into people's homes because it is the story of the gospel. And if you are looking to wonder, how is it that I can preach the gospel? Well, don't speak of an ancient event. Don't talk of the hushed tones of something that happened 2,000 years ago. Speak of the gospel that is happening today in your life and people's lives will be changed even though they didn't know they needed changing. That is the power of the gospel. 
That is what happens in our lives. I know that there have been many moments in my life where I have overheard a truth. I've overheard a, uh, a piece of health information. I didn't know that the information was relevant for me until I heard it. I wasn't searching for it. I wasn't knocking. I wasn't reading any books. I, I spent a lot of time looking at my own health and, and just keep monitoring that, uh, my health and, and uh, just to, so that I don't die young. And uh, so, <laughs> Cheryl doesn't laugh, but I do. And, uh, so, um, and so we go through all these things, and I, I look at these things, and I, um, I look at it, and I'm interested, but sometimes I just hear something. I may be just something on the news. And that information triggers. People need to be able to see the life. Not just hear the words. The gospel isn't just words. It's the feet of the person who took them. It's the feet of the person who took them. In other words, it's the person who was sharing the story as well as the story that empowers people's lives to be changed. I believe that we are going to see a lot of people saved this year. I believe that we are going to win just one person at a time. We are winning one person. We are believing God to win one person. This is where the adventure starts. In sharing your life and faith with a friend, with a neighbor. In putting your life in the impact of others and just winning one. You know, sometimes we try and grow, we try and, try and make the gospel fit our little program, but the gospel is the story of Jesus Christ. Let God's story do the work and live in the overflow of the grace that flows out of it. Just let the love of Jesus Christ flow out of you and people who weren't asking will be saved. Amen. Let's stand up, shall we?